Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, hello. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Live Your Personal Best. Today's conversation is honestly one of my favorite podcast recordings because this is one that I think I would listen to on repeat when I was still an athlete, when I was still getting ready for or competition. Today's conversation is all about performance anxiety and how to manage it, how to, you know, approach your workouts into competition differently, how to look at competition itself differently what to do in the moment, what to do before when you're getting into like your routine and preparation for competition. Like we really deep dive into it. So I'm so excited for this conversation because it's one that I've wanted to have on the podcast for a while. It's something that I really struggled with, but I was like, I need to bring someone on who just like gets it right. Like you need the right person for this conversation. And I finally found him. So Brian is joining us for today's conversation. And I was so excited to get this out to you. We actually had this conversation like two days ago. And I was like, okay, we are gonna edit this real fast and get it out for you to listen to today. So with that, so excited for you to listen to this. Make sure to share with friends, teammates, coaches, anyone who you think this might be able to help with their own performance. And if you like today's episode, be sure to check out my book, Elite to Everyday Athlete, Nine Steps to Getting You Off the Sidelines of Life. It helps you no matter what stage of your career you're at, even if you're already retired, helping you make that transition into life after sports. So the link is right down below. It's Elite to Everyday Athlete on Amazon, on Barnes & Nobles, right to your Kindle. So with that, let's get started. What's up and welcome to the Live Your Personal Best podcast. This is the place where I help current and former athletes like you to show up confidently in the gym and in life. I'm your host, Emily Kaufman, a former Division I athlete and author of Elite to Everyday Athlete. I'm going to show you how to stay motivated in reaching your goals and how to have more fun doing it. So let's sweat it out and start living your personal best. Hey guys, today we are joined by Brian. He is the author of Get Out of Your Head book series, which is focused on helping readers overcome various forms of mental illness. His desire to help others with anxiety and depression grow out of his own experiences. He's on to talk about with us more today. Brian, I'm so excited that you're joining us. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Emily. Uh, great to be here. And also funny, just, you know, we were talking pre-interview about where we were located and just funny that we're in the same city. So really cool. <laughs> yeah. Right down the street. So I'd love to kind of, you know, just like jump right into it. You know, this whole idea of anxiety, performance, anxiety, like 
what are the primary paths to anxiety in general? Like, is it just our thoughts? Is it biological? What does that look like? Definitely. So even though most listeners will probably already know and have dealt with it before, but why don't we just quickly define what anxiety is, right? So I like to say that it's future-oriented fear. So um, the difference being, right, if you are in the woods facing a bear and like, you know, that thing is about to attack you, that's like fear in the moment. Um, it's a, it's sort of a nuanced thing or it's uh, semantics, right? It, it, I guess it doesn't totally, totally matter. But um, for the, uh, you know, when we're talking about anxiety, it's future-oriented in the sense that like, there's not a bear in front of us right now. We are worried about there being a bear in front of us in a week, a month, a year, or something like that. So then when we talk about performance anxiety, right, that's a specific kind of future oriented fear where we are worried about how we are going to perform on some event, exam, something like that activity, whatever it is. Um, so the paths that we get into anxiety, and then also we, you know, I think because performance anxiety is a subset of that, um, the paths into performance anxiety are going to be similar. Uh, so I, I like to say that, you know, the, the common paths into anxiety, and you alluded to it a little bit, right? Uh, so the first one would be like, things that happen in our external world, right? So if let's just say a coach texts us and say like, hey, you know, um, I, there's actually an extra uh, spot that opened up at the, the state relay for you next weekend. Like, do you want to go? That stimulus becomes something that sets off a trigger in our bodies, right? And all of a sudden it's like, oh my goodness, like the the adrenaline's going, my mind is racing, whatever. Um, and yes, like it, it's it's sort of a thin line where like we then jump into, you know, thinking in all sorts of fashions that perpetuate our anxiety, but it's that external trigger that gets us there in the first place. Um, and then the second one, uh, second path into anxiety is the thoughts, right? So even if our, our coach didn't say, hey, I have that spot at the relays, we could, you know, think like, oh, what happens if he were to send me that text or something like that? We start playing out all these scenarios in our minds, making ourselves scared uh, about that scenario, even though, or even if it's not even on our calendars yet, yet right? Uh, I think we all know this one very well, where it's like we start ruminating all over all sorts of different scenarios and outcomes and um, different things that we might have to go through, but aren't, aren't even planned yet. So uh, those are two of the, the the biggest ones, I think, and maybe probably a good jumping off point for the rest of the conversation. Yeah, no, definitely. And I, you know, you even talking about like the big tests coming up, I'm like, oh, this brings me back to the anxiety I remembered in college. Like performance anxiety was so real with like, everything with sports and competition and like you know there's always like these buildups of like the few things and finals week and so you know I don't want to say like all athletes experience it but I feel like it's a pretty common thing that most athletes do experience at some point yeah I I, I think you know it's funny because it's like I'll talk to some of my friends um, and some of them like you know they know that I write my books and whatnot and some of them just they're just not anxious people they just don't have an anxious bone in their body so to speak and they're just like no nah, you just get up there and do it and I think that just speaks to the fact that everybody is a little bit different, right? Uh, at the same time, we are all human. We all care about these, um, you know, athletic performances or events that we have to go and do something important at. Um, and so I think by virtue of that, a lot of us do experience performance anxiety. And um, I think one of the kind of tag along things there is the fact that, you know, because a lot of us experience it, it's it's important to tell ourselves like, hey, you know, this is it's, it's frustrating. It's difficult to deal with, but it is a part of being human. Um, and so um, being able to, you know, be a little bit more self-accepting in that capacity allows us to then take some of the pressure off of ourselves rather than saying like, I'm the only one in the world who experiences this. I'm a weird person. I'm abnormal. There's something wrong with me, right? Yeah. No, that's such an important part too. I feel like almost coaches can start talking about that more of like, 
prepping for the race instead of just like ignoring the fact that so many people probably do have anxiety coming up to it to almost like address that of being like and if you're feeling anxious and like you know before these big competitions like almost addressing that as part of the routine of like getting ready for it absolutely yeah and it's uh, yeah i think back into high school right where i didn't have really any experience with this stuff other than being anxious myself right i didn't have any strategies i i was really just like banging my head against the wall or brute forcing it for a long time where it was like i'd have a track meet coming up and um you know for days in advance i'd be like okay i'm nervous about this thing it's going to be physically demanding and painful but at the same time it's also pressure filled where regardless of that pain, I just want to do well. And then all of a sudden, because you want to do well, your body starts thinking about like, or your mind, excuse me, your mind starts thinking about like all these what if scenarios, right? What if I don't do well? What if I have a panic attack while I'm out on the basketball court? What if, you know, my legs give out and I can't move or something like that. And then all of those sort of what ifs become threats that our mind then wants to try to fend off, uh, which is really difficult because there's no shortage of those possibilities. It's it's a it's a tough thing to deal with. Um, and that's, you know, I guess sort of a little bit of self-promotion. That's one of the reasons why, you know, my brand is called Get Out of Your Head. It's like there are so many negative pathways that we could jump down. And there's always a possibility that could linger in our minds that we could turn over and be like, what about this? What about that? And it's like, okay, nope, take a deep breath. Like think about something else, distract yourself, go for a walk, whatever it may be. Find a way to get out of your head and away from um, those scary possibilities. Because uh, as we all know, you know, people who experience anxiety, like not only are they always there or always could be there, but they're tough, right? They're, they're always sticking around, always trying to make us feel bad. So um, sometimes one of the best strategies is just to put it down and be like, I'm not dealing with this right now. Oh, I love that. And I'd love to talk, you know, like other strategies. So if someone, you know, knows themselves and they know they get this performance anxiety, uh, what are some ways that they can get out of their own head? Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's funny. There's uh, so in my first book, I talked about like there's a, a framework that I introduced called the 10 steps to getting out of your head. Uh, so those are general steps that you can use when you're already feeling fearful to walk back some of that anxiety. Um, then there's also like, you know, more specific to performance anxiety itself. There are some strategies there. Uh, we had e emailed before the show and we were talking about like, you know, what are some of the topics that we could cover? It was funny because I had written a blog post about performance anxiety. And, you know, it's, I don't want to say that I have, you know, I, I never try to say that I have like the, the magic formula, the silver bullet or anything like that. But that blog post had another one of those strategies that we could try out, right? And so in that blog post, one of the things that I talked about, and there's plenty that we could get to, um, was the idea of like finding a way to take the pressure off of ourselves, right? Um, and so that could mean like tricking ourselves, tricking our minds, tricking our bodies, and basically saying like, okay, look, I have this basketball game, I have this, uh, you know, dance recital, whatever it is, I have this performance that I'm anxious about. You know, in, in the self-help spaces or in the self-help world, a lot of people talk about detaching from the outcome. And I think one, like I struggle with that a little bit because I, you know, as a, as a dude and also like <laughs> in high school and college, it was like a dude with a lot of testosterone. It was like, no, no, no detaching for, from the outcome is like being weak, being, you know, not manly or something like that. Um, but I, I had it wrong and I'm happy to admit that detaching from the outcome is, is actually like a practice in confidence saying like, Hey, I have this one basketball game. I have this one track meet, whatever it is. I don't actually know if I'm going to get the outcome that I want from that one specific thing, but whatever it is that I'm after, I'll get that eventually. And being able to trick ourselves and say like, look, it might not come today. It might not come tomorrow, but it's going to come. It's going to come this season at some point, whatever that allows us to take some of the pressure off of ourselves 
um, you know, detaching from that outcome saying like, it's okay if it, if it doesn't happen right now. Um, I think the other thing too, right. Is like, I I talked about this in that blog post in the context of running it obviously a little bit different. Cause like, I'm not on a track team anymore or something like that. I'm just a, you know, young professional working in the city, but like, I still like to run and push myself and try to see if I can get, you know, a personal best or something like that. Um, and I notice that when I start thinking about that, if I'm like, okay, like, you know, pressure's on, got to run today, got to do a personal best, whatever it is. Then I start to stress myself out. And I, I bring about a lot of anxious energy that then brings me down on the run, right? That's sort of holding me back as I'm running. Um, we obviously want to get through some of that or try to make make it so that that anxious energy is not present with us. And that is difficult. But one of the strategies and that, um, that thread that I was talking about where we trick ourselves, what I sometimes like to do is I say to myself, look, don't, you know, detach from the outcome. Don't worry about what happens. You know what? In fact, I'm just going to get out there and I'm just going to run. And I, I'm, I'm not even going to push myself today. Um, and that almost allows us to like lean back uh, and feel some sort of like relaxation, some sort of comfort reassurance and be like, look, if I want to, I can pick up the pace, but I don't have to. We're just chilling out there. Right. And then the funny thing is a lot of the times, you know, after the first mile or whatever it is, because I haven't put that pressure on myself, I'm like, wow, I actually do feel pretty good right now. Why don't we just pick it up and see what happens? And a lot of the times, not not every time, but a lot of the times, because I've uh, you know a- adopted that approach, by the end of the run, I look at my watch and I'm like, wow, I actually ran really fast today. Um, and it's this sort of counterintuitive approach um, to performance anxiety. And you know, in that blog post, one of the things I talked about was like anxiety is counterintuitive in general. So it's like, yes, we would love to be like, hey, okay, we got that task in front of us. Here we go, like man up, whatever it is, woman up, you know. And it's like that just doesn't work for some reason, right? That makes us too anxious, too fearful, uh, too much pressure inside of us, right? And then our bodies aren't in the state that they need to be to perform well. Uh, So sometimes approaching these events with a counterintuitive approach uh, can make sense or can lead us to the outcomes that we want. Yeah, I feel like so many things are like clicking and making sense now for me. So you said like detaching from the outcome and, you know, something that I've heard before, but not in this way because I did a team sport. I was on the rowing team and I would always think like, oh, I can't detach myself from the outcome. I have eight other people in the boat with me. Like, I can't just not care about this because I would also be letting them down. But I like what you mentioned there of like, it's a practice of confidence. And so it's almost going into it being like, oh, instead of being worried about messing up, being confident that like you can still have some mess ups, like you don't have to be 100% perfect, but you can still perform well, even with those. Like you can still be an incredible athlete without being perfect all the time, never messing up, never making mistakes. Most definitely. And obviously like perfection is a a practice in futility, right? I think a lot of us strive for that and it kind of gets us nowhere besides in our heads and frustrated and whatnot. And I think I really like the fact that you brought up the point of a team sport because, you know, you you, kind of get into the fact that like you don't have full control, right? It's not just you out there on a track and like, you against the road, uh, it, all these other women in the boat. And I think that that one is a little bit different. And it's like, I, you know, I, I did play basketball. So that element was there, but it was also like, you know, you're on a team, but at the same time, like you still want to shoot well, right? If it's like, if you shoot well, like, Hey, you know, you, you could lose and you might be disappointed about that, but you could take solace in the fact that you performed well. Um, I think the way that I would sort of approach like a, a purely team sport where it's like, everybody is integrated and like, you know, uh, it's not necessarily one person that can just kind of take over and and get the win, so to speak. I think you do have to focus on like doing your own part, right? And being being content with like the effort that you gave. And that is also part of detaching from the outcome is kind of like, you know, I talk about this in the book as well as like, 
figure out what you can control and what you can influence. Um, and it's, you know, it's a thin line, but it's, it's, it's something that we can really use to separate things. Um, and I think in the situation where you're in a boat with, you know, nine, I, I don't know how many people are rowing, but you know, nine or 10 other people, something like that. Um, obviously we don't have control over how everybody else is rowing, but we have influence over the outcome of the race itself. Um, and that influence comes from our own performance. So it's like kind of figure out what we, um, you know, and then from there, it's like, what do we have control over, right? We have control over our own performance, or at least, again, some influence over it. We're like, okay, like, I'm just going to show up today. I'm going to do my part. Um, you know, this isn't to throw anybody under the bus and say like, oh, my, my teammates didn't perform well, like screw them or something like that. But it's like, you know, kind of setting ourselves up psychologically for wins, even when, uh, even if our team doesn't win, so to speak. Yeah, no, I, I love that kind of focusing more on like the picture in front of you of like what you can control. And then if you put your effort into that, then it almost takes all of the scenarios of what ifs out of your head. There's a lot less, <laughs> there's less to focus on. Definitely. Yeah. And so we've been kind of talking about anxiety, like leading up to these events. Do you have different strategies for like, if you're in the moment, like you are sitting at the start line or you're like warming up, like already on the court how would you approach if you like start to feel the anxiety then? Yeah. So I think, I think one strategy that people talk a lot about in the anxiety world, um, I've actually got it, you know, a segment on it in my first book that I think is interesting. And I'm, I, again, I, I, I'd like to put these strategies forward and say like, nothing's a silver bullet. Like, um, you know, one of the practices that I talk about is like building a mental health toolkit. So that's like, you know, uh, basically I'm going to throw a lot of different ideas at you. Um, and it's up to you to say like, yes, that makes sense to me. That works for me. I'm going to take that strategy. I'm going to put it in my, you know, put it in my mind, write it down somewhere. And I'm going to pull these strategies out when I'm feeling fearful or anxious. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to walk through them. Uh, the, you know, sort of the basis for this concept is just the fact that different things work for different people. Um, so it's sort of my way of saying like, if the, if the strategy doesn't necessarily resonate, doesn't work like, Hey, just let it pass through one, you know, through one ear to the other or whatever. Um, so the strategy that I was alluding to was basically, um, the concept it's called, um, anxiety reappraisal. So it's like, um, if we think about like reappraising something, right, changing the way that we look at it, uh, a lot of folks, myself included, we see the presence of anxiety and and think that it means something bad. We say like, because I am anxious, this automatically means I'm not going to run well today. I'm not going to swim well today, whatever it is. You know, I think if you go through enough anxiety provoking scenarios, you eventually get to the point where you're like, that's just not true. Like, sure, it could be true some of the time, but the fact that it isn't true all of the time means that it's not actually true, right? It's just uh, when it does prove to, you know, when we don't perform well that day, it's like, sort of a coincidence or something else going on or whatever. But is that a is a is that a law of of anxiety? It's it's definitely not, right? Um so anxiety reappraisal, the the concept behind this one is basically like looking at our anxiety and trying to see it differently. Like so in the context of an athletic event, saying to ourselves like this isn't necessarily an indication that something's going to go wrong. This isn't necessarily an indication that, you know, I'm totally worried or something like that. It it uh the, the reappraisal part comes in when we say Hey, I'm actually going to look at this as if my body is preparing to do something that's, you know, physically demanding, a little bit scary, but also like just uh, intense, something that I don't do all the time. Uh, and if we want to take this all the way through, like, you know, where people basically um, the, the, the logical end of anxiety reappraisal is to say, like, this energy that I'm feeling inside of me, I could call it anxiety or anxious energy. I could also call it excitement. My body is revved up. It's ready to do something, you know? Um, and so it's sort of like the you know, people say like, um, 
what's what seeing the world through rose tinted glasses. It's sort of that it's right. Like when we put on, I don't know, black glasses, uh, when we're anxious, we're, we're looking at the world and saying like, Oh man, like everything's negative. Everything's dark. We put on those rose colored glasses and we're like, no, 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 I'm excited. Like, here we go. Like we get this race, whatever. The reason why I am guarded or cautious about this strategy is like, it's so hard to actually do that in the moment, right? It's like, no, 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 I'm on the starting line. I am freaking out, dude. Like, what are you talking about? You know? Um, so that, that is one strategy. I think the other thing too, right. Is like kind of combining that one. I always used to do this was like, um, I would get my music going. You know, I, I listen to a lot of heavy metal, like before my track meets, I would have that, I would have the metal blast and, and I would be, you know, running up and down. Um, it was sort of like the, the infield of the track. Um, basically just, you know, it's sort of one trying to get my body moving, trying to rid myself of some of that anxious energy or, or try to just, I don't know, like, again, get it moving a little bit, but also trying to do my best to, to get that pump up feeling, uh, and almost convince myself that I was excited in a weird way. So those are two things that I like to do. Um, everybody's got their own pregame, you know, performance rituals. And I, I think that's totally cool. It's like, uh, the end goal is to try to perform well and not feel so awful at the starting line or wherever it is, you know, at center court or something like that. So, um, I think taking some of these strategies and sort of filtering them down and seeing which ones work for you is, is really an important overall piece of this, you know, just philosophy. Yeah. I love what you mentioned there with the end goal. Like the end goal of all of this is to perform well and like not beat yourself up in the process because I'm someone who's retired now. And I think probably like the number one advice that I'd give myself if I were to go back or to anyone else is like the outcomes are the outcomes, but I wish I had more fun along the way. Like I would beat myself up like the whole time, like getting prepared for races and then we'd finish and sometimes it'd be first, sometimes it'd be fourth, like whatever. But like, I didn't actually enjoy that moment until like the second it was done. And then I felt like I could breathe. And then I'm like, okay, now I got to do it all again next week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, I, oh man. It's like, I can really relate to that. Just the the constant weekly grind or daily grind of like, yeah, I'm excited for like 20 minutes. And now I have to go back in my head and think about the next event. You know, I kind of am curious if I was still in actual athletic competitions, you know, how would I take these different strategies that I've cultivated over the years and apply them to those situations? I like to think I'd be better at them. And in fact, it's like, you know, I think when you step back and you realize that uh, performance anxiety is, as we were talking about, just a kind of anxiety. It's like, I deal with other kinds of anxiety throughout my life and I apply these strategies. So even though the situations are different, the principles are the same. And I would like to think that like, hey, if they work in one domain, they can probably work in another one. Uh, again, like I don't want to sit here and sound like I have all the answers and I'm a know-it-all because then you get that one person who's like, well, what about this? And you're just like, oh man, what about that? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, well, that's what I kind of love about athletics, too. I feel like you can figure out a lot about yourself and how you work best through sports and through practice and athletics. And then you can kind of like take those skills into the other areas of your life. So if you're someone that maybe gets performance anxiety in sports, but you like start with these strategies and tools, when you go into a job, when you go into interviews, you can kind of use those there, too. Yeah. I, it, you know, it was, it was funny. Cause like, it was, it was always corny when coaches would say like, you know, this practice is a metaphor for life or whatever. And it was like, it was super corny, but at the same time, like, as you're alluding to, there was truth to it. Right. And I think one of the things with anxiety is like trying to figure out like what's going on in our heads and what stories we're telling ourselves with what, what beliefs we hold, where it's like, you know, sometimes we would you know, kind of going off of what you just said, where it's like, you know, going into the workplace or some other domain, like, if we looked at like, okay, I just went to a job interview and I wasn't anxious about that at all. Like I hold some other belief about the workplace, about interviews than I do in the athletic realm, right? 
And so trying to like do some deep work inside of ourselves to say like, what is that difference? Is it true? Is it not true? And if it is true, like, is there a way that I can go back and apply it to the athletic realm? Um, obviously I'm being high level here, but um, I think that's a very interesting approach too. Yeah. I love that a lot. And as we were talking about this, you know, you're someone that talks with a lot of people dealing with anxiety. When we talk about managing it, is like the end goal kind of just to like have these strategies in place or is there actually a point someone can get to where they might not have these thoughts like at all anymore? Like they kind of just like they disappear. They like talk themselves out of these like beliefs of fear of the future. Yeah, I think everybody's on their own path. I think that like, you know, everybody's starting at a different place and then everybody progresses at their own speed. I, I would like to believe that, um, you know, everybody that I, I don't know, everybody that I talk to, everybody that reads my books, I would hope that I can help them make some progress. Um, I definitely can't promise that like everybody or maybe even anybody would get to the point of having no anxiety ever again. I also, you know, in a, in a sort of uh, anxiety reappraisal sort of context, I like to tell folks like, yeah, that would be sweet. But at the same time, like there's so much evolutionary programming that's built into anxiety. And like, you know, basically what's happening in our bodies is, is the product of like all of our ancestors for all of time. It's like, that's a lot of programming to override at the same time. Like, that's not to say like, Hey, you know, you can never, you know, not experience anxiety or something like that. It's more to say like, um, you know, where anxiety comes from is our fight or flight nervous system, right? Like that, or it's a product of that, an offshoot of that, where it's like that, you know, 50,000 years ago when we lived in the wild, our bodies were trained to say like, oh, there's a tiger in front of me. I got to run away from that thing or I got to try to fight it off. So that way I can survive and, you know, kind of propagate the species, so to speak. Um, we probably don't want to override that 100%, right? It's like, there is a reason our fight or flight nervous systems exist. And if we got to a point where we were never anxious ever again, that would probably mean that we we've lost that capacity to like acknowledge danger and then run away from it. So we probably don't want that, but we, what we really do want. Right. And I think what most people who are listening are, are after is like, I don't know, 95, 99% mitigation of anxiety where it's like, yes, I, I have anxiety or I have that mechanism in me to acknowledge danger, run away from it. But like what I want to get rid of is like the crippling part of, um, you know, the experience where it's like a week in advance of a, a track meet, uh, three days in advance of a date or something like that. Like I want that to go away. Um, I do think that is possible, but it, it's, it takes a lot of work, right? It's like, you know, coming back to these strategies again and again and again, applying them with actual like discipline. It's the, one of the hardest things is like so much of this happens on a subconscious level. So it's like an hour can go by and, and all of a sudden we're like, wow, I didn't even like, I didn't have the mindfulness of like, oh, wow, I'm really perpetuating these fear loops, right? It's like, um, it, it happens underneath the surface. So being like, that's the reason why some of the, like doing the practices, um, taking the strategies and applying them in our lives is so important because we have to rewrite that subconscious programming. Um, so I'm rambling a little bit, but I think uh, in general, it's like, yes, we want to get to the point where we are less anxious about things, possibly take some things and are not anxious about them at all anymore. I do think that is very possible, um, but it is, it's difficult, right? It's a, a take, it, there's a lot of programming, evolutionary programming built into it. A lot of, um, you know, our own past experiences, possibly some trauma baked into there. Um, so it is very possible, but at the same time, I don't want to like sugarcoat this stuff. I also don't want to like lead people astray and say like, Hey, all it takes is 10 minutes a day, right? It's, it can be difficult. Yeah. Definitely. And then just to switch gears just a little bit, I know everyone is different, but if someone has a teammate that might be experiencing anxiety or a partner or they're not experiencing themselves, but they can tell like someone else is, 
Is there any like good suggestions to do in that situation? Is that something that you should leave someone to deal with personally? Is there tips that they can kind of help share? Yeah, I think that like, if you really know that this person is dealing with anxiety, if it's not just like a hunch, right? Um, I think just being there for them and listening to them is really important. And then like sort of developing a relationship where like that person feels as though they trust you and they can go uh, to you. Um, and then like slowly along the path, like you might be able to say like, hey, I think I'm hearing this. Like, I think I'm identifying this pattern. You know, you you tend to have this belief. You tend to think about the, this specific thing before, you know, a track meet or something like that. Is, is that right? Um, how, how do we help work through that? And then, you know, I, I guess it's, it's, it's sort of like an art form, right? It's like, a, as you get further into that relationship, maybe being able to say like, Hey, I saw this blog post, like just wanted to forward it your way. Like thought that would be cool or, or helpful or something like that. I think that, um, you know, especially like when it comes to guys, I think that we all tend to, you know, sometimes we're just like, Oh dude, man up, like no anxiety, whatever. And it's like, I, I, I know it probably comes from a place of love, but that's not helpful at all. Right. And that actually like, most of the time that puts people on the defense and then all of a sudden like you know they the, the response is not that great where that person is is sort of like hey screw you man like you don't you're not hearing me or you're not seeing me right um so just being there for that person um like making room to to listen to them right i think everybody wants to be heard and um then once that relationship builds a little bit then you can kind of you know potentially come in with a, a couple strategies or um a book or a blog post or podcast or something like that i love that make sure that they're heard have their trust. And then I will definitely be sure to include your blog post under this of the performance anxiety. So that can be an easy one to forward um, if they need an extra you know, source to send over. But cool. I love this whole conversation. Is there any one last piece of advice that you'd like to leave everyone with today? Good question. I usually just end a lot of podcasts by saying like, you know, because I'm speaking to different audiences, it's like, um, if you are dealing with something, if you are anxious yourself, if you have a story to share, if you need somebody to talk to, um, please send me a, you know, a message on Instagram or, or uh, through my website. Uh, the website is getoutofyourhead.com. Uh, on Instagram, the handle is getoutofyourhead. Uh, no dashes, no spaces in either of those. Uh, you know, it's really a fulfilling part of the journey to talk to people and to hear their stories. Um, I love to hear when people are making improvements and, um, you know, like, feel as though they feel as though they are um, able to approach anxiety a little bit more easily or they're making strides in their lives. But at the same time, like if if there's something that you just want to, you know, chew over with me, I'm happy to do that. That's a again, that's a fulfilling part uh, of the entire author experience. So please do that. Um, and you know, it's like I, I might not be able to get right back to you right away. I also like, you know, I can't promise that I can sit there and text you all day or something like that. But um, you know, quick conversation or something like that, like, like please reach out. So Awesome. Yes. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Brian. I'll put all that down below so people can reach out. It's great talking with you. Awesome. Likewise, uh, definitely a fun conversation. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>